Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends Kristen Balboni, Will Bryan, and Darren Gant. Welcome to the Happy Half Hour. It's your host again, Will Bryan, Panthers Cats guy. I'm back. I'm back. Baby. Kristen Balboni, speaking of babies, she's she's out on special assignment for a longer time, and she is a new mother. How about that? That's awesome. We got John Ashley Harrell, now in the world, Jack Harrell. Jack. Born December 9th to Alex Harrell and Kristen Balboni. Mother and child, healthy and resting well. Dad, still a little shell-shocked. <laughs> As one is. As one is. The, it, it's awesome. The pictures are great. It's a beautiful baby boy. I mean, it's and it's a great family. Kristen's going to be an awesome mom. Oh, I, I told her that about a year and a half ago before anybody knew she was even thinking about it. But I was like, whenever you do it, you're going to be great at it. She's yep. just got that. She's just got that vibe about her that uh, Jack's going to be in a lifetime of smiles and happiness. So the dot com staff around here looks everywhere under every rock, so to speak, for stories and story ideas and feature ideas. Is it true that Kristen declined your offer to uh, have live streaming of her delivery on Panthers dot com? It was it was a group decision that we came to. You know, we we wanted to provide as much coverage as possible, but but also, you know, we we had to talk to a, a couple people in the room, and you know, we weren't sure of the technology hookup in there. Yeah, you know, we we didn't want it to. When I was up. approached about doing the play-by-play of it, I, I, I thought, okay, what what depth oh my gosh. do I use for this kind of thing? But anyway, so, Kristen's pure class, man. This is great. Oh yeah. She's a mom. Fantastic. So we're looking forward to, to having her back here in here in a couple months, and uh, hopefully she gets some well-deserved rest. Maybe. Maybe. Not. We'll see. I don't know. I hope Jack's a good – I think Jack's going to be a good boy. Yeah. He, he's got the look. It, I was going for Jake, but Jack works too. Yeah. Sometimes you can look at a baby and say, that one right there, he's trouble. He's got that glint in his eye, mm-hmm. not this one. Yeah. So the biggest news that we'll start off with on this beautiful Wednesday, that the greatest three-point shooter in NBA history is from Charlotte, a Davidson Wildcat, and a Carolina Panther fan. How about that? There you go. When Stephen I was a Curry. kid, young broadcaster just starting out in the mid-'80s, I started out before that, but it was the mid-'80s. It became the mid-'80s. And this pitcher for Virginia Tech named Del Curry, he obviously was had a beautiful three-point stroke, a willowy 6'5 forward swingman. But on the baseball diamond, 
hmm. this effortless delivery, and then the ball just exploded out of his hand. I mean, just an incredible athlete. And, of course, Steph Curry is whom you're, you're speaking of. And, I, Darren, I don't know how this – I don't know how he does it, really. What I'm speaking of is the, the, without altering his motion, he can, he can hold perfect form from 35 feet. Yep. I mean, just to get the ball It's launched, like a flick. It's, it's just unbelievable. a flick. I yeah. know. He just flicks it up there. And, and the thing about it is, and I, and I think most people have shot basketballs in the driveway and stuff like that, it's hard for most normal human beings to throw a basketball 40 feet. You know, I mean, basketball is big, and it's not a natural motion to – and a lot of people will shoot as hard as they can – and and he can stand out at half court and mm-hmm. just shoot form jumpers and look like it's something he's been doing all his life, which, uh, you know, yeah. he, he has, has been. He has. And, yeah. and it has been neat watching him being in this business and being at old Hornets games in the old Coliseum and seeing little Steph running around with dad and being at games and stuff. It, it You've literally watched this kid grow up into the greatest shooter of all time in NBA history. And and having his dad around the whole time and being part of the Hornets organization now, I was just sitting there last night watching it, and I'm just hoping against all hope. And I can't imagine it would ever happen other than maybe some late <laughs> career cameo. But I would love one day, one day, to see this man walk back into that building as a home player and as a member of the team his dad played for from the expansion days and, you know, became a fixture in this city, you know, I would just love to see it one day, even if he's 39 years old, if he can't run anymore, if he can't play defense, don't care, his daddy never played that much defense anyway, just come home. Isn't there a brother or brothers? Seth. Yeah, one Seth. played at Duke. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Seth. Seth. That's right. That's right. That's he right. plays for the Sixers now. Um, and how about this? His sister, Sadell, Played at Elon with our very own photographer Chanel. Chanel, yeah, yeah. is that they're, right? They're, they're good friends. I did not know that. The world yeah. shrinks down yet yeah. again. How about that? That's good intel. Um, Kristen Bell Bunny's going to have a hard time getting her gig back. <laughs> Will Bryant, much more than just an egghead stat man. I don't know about that. I, I, I have some more stats, uh, but that's later in the show. We had some big news at practice today. Wednesday practice, the yep. Panthers right before practice. Uh, Darren Gant might have sent out a tweet uh, that the Panthers are designating for return quarterback Sam Darnold. New people on the field. New, new people. New quarterback on the field. It's, on, uh, on the practice field. Yeah, and and we'll see uh, what it's all about. I mean, it, it's, he's not on the roster yet. He's not going to play this week or anything like that. But I, I think after the shoulder injury, he's healed up. I mean, I've seen him out there working out. I mean, in the bubble during practices, he'll be out there working out and stuff. And, and Sam has been itching to get back on the field, and we'll see. I mean, he's just out there kind of doing some light throwing now, obviously not any contact or anything like that. But, um, yeah, Sam back on the field. We'll see what it means. I mean, I, I think because you've got such an investment in him for next year one way or another, you, you'd like to see what he's got left. You'd like to see – you know, in a system where Jeff Nixon's calling plays and maybe some things are getting streamlined and simplified a little bit, can he get back and have a better result? I mean, I I will always be confounded by the way this season has gone for Sam because, you know, all off season it was like, what are they doing? Trading for Sam Darnold. 
And then you see him in minicamp. You see him in training camp, and it looks all right. He's running two-minute drills, and he's putting teams in position for field goals and stuff. And then the season starts, and he plays really well. I mean, Sam was good the first three or four weeks. I and mean, even in Dallas, when they lost, he threw a couple picks, but he played all right. And then just it was like when Christian got hurt, the wheels fell off of everything all at once, including Sam Darnold. And things he was doing well, he stopped doing well. And he's got it in him. And I think that talent that they talked about all offseason is still there. It's just a matter of how to tap into it and whether they can. I mean, we'll see what happens, but it was definitely interesting having an extra quarterback out there for sure. I like this a lot on a variety of levels. Level number one, to Darren's point earlier, he himself, Sam Darnold himself, wants to get back out there. So he's itching, to Mm -hmm. use Darren's words, that speaks well. He's a prideful athlete. He wants another shot. Number two, you need depth at that position. Number three, when things started to go poorly after the 3-0 start, some of what happened to Sam Darnold was his fault. Mm -hmm. Some was not his fault. The Panthers, during this time, led the free world in drop passes. Number four, I think I'm up to number four, (laughs) the things that – some of the things that went wrong are fixable. Mm -hmm. It should be – Black letter law, just don't hold the ball. Just get rid of it. Get it snapped in 25 seconds. 1,001, 1,002, bingo. Do something. Either run, which we've seen he, he's a nimble runner of the football. Number two, of course, throw it. So, um, I don't know. That's, that's four things I said that, that I like it. And you could, I mean, you could put a for sale sign on it. You could wash, wax it, armor all the tires, park it out front of your driveway, see if, you know, a willing buyer comes along. But, He's, he's our guy for – he's under contract for another year, mm-hmm. and it is possible that he could be a meaningful member of this uh, – of the 2022 Panthers. Yeah, and we'll we'll see how it all works out. I mean, I, I, I was looking uh, earlier at some numbers, and, I mean, of the three quarterbacks who have played for the Carolina Panthers this year, oddly enough, Sam's got the highest passer rating of the three of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cam has come in and played acceptably well at times. Um but he hadn't thrown the ball particularly well, and it's been a it's been a struggle for him. So I don't know. It, it's weird to see. I mean, Rule said earlier in the week he was planning on using Cam and PJ Walker a little bit and having roles for both of them, and you know maybe you do some kind of platoon. And and I don't know how that's all going to work. And again, I don't believe Sam's going to be out there on the field this week necessarily, but he's probably a couple weeks away just to get him ready and and healthy and grease back up again. But I'll be curious to see how they do it. I mean, do you try to turn it into a Sam and Cam platoon? I don't know. We'll see. Will's a stat guy, so he would be expert at this. But I'm pretty sure that going into last week's game, the Panthers had thrown more picks, 15, than any other team in the NFL except for the Jets, 20. It's not like Sam Darnold is replacing a quarterback that has demonstrated great decision-making and exceptional ball security. They've all made poor decisions. They've all thrown it up for grabs at mm-hmm. times. And, and and as you said, a lot of that is you know if you if you can get just a, another second of protection, if you can get you know one side or the other side not to break down, if you don't have third and longs because you got a holding on the first down. I mean, I think there's a lot of and then obviously the drop balls. There's a lot of things that go yeah. into it. Obviously, you still need a quarterback that can that can do well in tough situations. You know, mm-hmm. when when his back's against the wall, when it's 
uh, when there's pressure coming, when you know the defense knows what to do, he needs to be able to to handle those situations. But you're right; it's been a factor of a lot of things, and Sam Darnold's far been not the worst out there for sure. One thing that's irritated me greatly for a good chunk of my adult life, having grown up in an Atlantic Coast Conference-dominated state, but yet with enough Washington Redskins, Baltimore Colts, Atlanta Falcons, and, of course, I love the Chiefs and the Raiders and and the Jets and the old AFL, is that this notion, this crazy notion, that if you don't – that if you play two quarterbacks, it's because you don't have one. That sounds – like a sentence that has some balance to it and probably an old crusty old ball coach said it 40 years ago. But in the modern NFL, it should not make sense, and it does not make sense. What defenses are capable of, these twitchy, angry pass rushers that are snorting the, and pawing the earth ready to rush in with X marks the spot, Darren Gant, mm-hmm. right here, here, here's the pocket. All you got to do is get here, and you got an immobile quarterback. The whole pyramid, a $2.5 billion pyramid – is set on its tip. Mm-hmm. And if that quarterback gets hurt, oh, sorry, guys. Sorry, sponsors. Sorry, fans. Well, it, says, and, and especially, I mean, listen, if you've got – the reality is in the NFL, most teams, when your starting quarterback gets hurt, that team is a lot of bad words. Uh, but most teams are going to go through that. I mean, just because 17-game season, and as Mick mm-hmm. says, it is so physically challenging, and it's getting more physically challenging and. Just the simple breakdown of a body over the course of a four-month-plus season, most teams are going to go through a couple of these guys or need a couple of these guys for sure. And, and again, I mean, is the situation here ideal for any of these quarterbacks? No, it's not, not necessarily. But I, I think everything over the last four weeks, you know, they're still going to be trying to game plan it up and scheme and win games, you know, each and every week, go 1-0 and every week. But the reality is a lot of this is geared towards seeing what you got for 22. With the rise to prominence, too, of the shotgun mm-hmm. formation, the one, the two-back pistol, centers are, are good now at snapping the ball. Thirteen years ago, I told John Fox, we had a break shooting a TV show. I said, Foxy, why not play two quarterbacks? And he said, oh, Mick, you know, you only play two if you don't have one. So just hear me out. These quarterbacks that are playing high school football right now in Texas, Florida, Philadelphia, that are the starting point guard on their basketball team, they're the starting pitcher on their baseball team, and they can sling it. But the NFL is too stupid to make those athletes quarterbacks. It wants to convert. If they don't get converted in college, they get converted to DBs and receivers in the NFL. Mick invented Tyler Murray. (laughs) And and Sean Payton has done as close to what I – told John Fox to do in 2006 or seven, which is play two quarterbacks in the game, have them both in the game at the same time. Now, he Mm -hmm. hadn't done it in the way that I've envisioned because with Drew Brees, Mm -hmm. you got a more traditional pocket who can make plays from the pocket and then Taysom Hill. But imagine if you had Lamar Jackson and Taysom Hill or Cam Newton and P.J. Walker in the game at the same time, both in the shotgun, flexed out. Now those D linemen rushing in, they don't know where where to rush in because they don't know if the ball is going to be snapped to this quarterback or this quarterback in the mix and hybrid attack. It, and but it is the 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 NFL doesn't, you know, doesn't want to no one wants to be the one that does it and it doesn't work. No one wants to be the one that that goes just a little bit too far mm-hmm. outside of the norm of what NFL teams do until everyone kind of does it together. I mean, right? I mean, isn't that kind of what this league it, is? It, exactly. it, it'll be like that cat at Presbyterian who never punted 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to take some renegade to try this. And, and Matt, flag the tape. When that happens, you know, we can go back to the time capsule 20 years ago to the happy half hour on <laughs> December 16th, 2021, and say, Mick called it. Yeah. Um, Alexander Graham Bell, they laughed at him right over the telephone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've certainly spoken a little bit about Darnold uh, today after practice. Head coach Matt Rule spoke to the media, um, and we'll hear his thoughts right now. Yeah, I mean, he can't really practice yet. He's throwing. He's able. You know, he's cleared, but he's not. He's not. Cle- he's not cleared to play. Um, so I'm not sure when that'll be. Um, he has to. You know, they have to make sure that he's good enough to throw, move around. But he can't take contact yet. So that'll come down to a CT scan probably in the coming weeks. So he's still got a little ways. So Darnold may not be part of the game plan. But Darren Gant and Mick Mixon certainly are. We talked about this a little bit last week. But heading to Buffalo, New York this weekend, I have uh, on my phone the top ten list of coldest games in Panthers history. This one would have to get down under 32 degrees just to crack that list. I think, Mick, you talked about that Minnesota game. Where does that one rank? That one's number three. Yeah. What's number one? Green Bay NFC, NFC Championship, Championship game, 1996. Three, three degrees Fahrenheit at kickoff. <laughs> A whole Jeez. three. And then I think it got much lower after that, yeah, right? Yeah, it got colder as the day went on. And once it got dark, you did not want to be outside. It was it, it was like Hoth. It was the frozen ice planet that I never thought I was going to escape from. I, I don't know that I've ever been that cold in my life. I recall one camping trip I went on with my father and some friends uh, when I was a young scout, and we had coolers, and the eggs inside the coolers froze. It was so cold on that trip, and I don't remember what it was. That was before we carried around cell phones and knew the temperature every minute of every day. But that Green Bay game was as cold as I've ever been in my life. Do you? Uh, I don't think we've told it on, on this medium before, but the Mark Carrier story from that game, have you told that one? Wasn't it Mark? Which one? I'm trying to remember. I mean, there there were so many. I mean, guys were just guys were freezing, and guys were trying to. There were a couple of them who ran out and wanted to be tough guys in sleeves and everything, and, and some of them just turned right around and went back in the locker room like, nope. What was it? Him that put? I don't remember the substance, but put it on his feet, and then it didn't take until oh, the plane. That is right. That is right. Yeah. Mark Carrier, thank you for jogging my memory. This happens with age. Mark Carrier put cayenne pepper in his socks. <laughs> He thought that was going to help keep his toes warm during the game, and it apparently didn't fully activate until after the game and <laughs> when he had changed into his dress shoes for the flight home to Charlotte, and uh, he was rather uncomfortable for the entire flight. I could just imagine, uh, Stewardess, can I get some a bucket of ice back here? Have you boys not had enough of that already? Um, but, yeah, Mark tried putting cayenne pepper in his <laughs> socks, and that didn't quite work out. So Will, they, Will remembers my material how, how better than that? I remember my material. I, I I remember that paragraph from that story you did. Man. It was fantastic. I mean, I'm just trying to think of wait. So was the pepper still in like in between his toes or like he was he wearing the same socks or he just didn't wash I, it off? I or, guess when like, you I guess when he showered off, you know, I wouldn't linger in a shower in a situation yeah, like that. Uh, so I would be trying to get in and out, but apparently it it stayed on his skin and became more and more uncomfortable as the day went on. Something to Google up, we won't do it now, but something to Google up is um, a, a scientist named Jane Gustator. Uh, she wondered years ago why some people sweat, why they perspire when they eat spicy foods. And so there's a type of perspiration known as gustatory sweating that can occur when you hmm. eat hot peppers and things. Yeah. Haven't you ever wondered about that? I think it's fascinating. 
Do, do you sweat when you eat hot peppers, Mick? Well, no, because I solved that problem by not. I don't. I don't sweat <laughs> a lot in general, but I'm I'm not cold tolerant. I love hot weather, love hot weather, and cannot stand cold weather. Cold weather just it just hurts. Yeah. And uh, that Minnesota game, so the ice bowl was 13 below, right? Green Bay, mm-hmm. Dallas, Dallas, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got no interest in it. I know these yeah. cats on the YouTube and all the Facebook. They throw the boiling water, the kettle of boiling water, up into the air, and it just becomes snowflakes. I mean, it, it's it's pretty amazing. I, I, I there it, there is something you know in this very nice, pleasant southern town of Charlotte where you know people think we're we're too soft for cold NFL football. Did they have the ironite? Maybe it's true. The little packets. The hand warmers. Oh yeah, back the then. little hand oh, warming yeah. package. Sure, they they load up on those things. And and listen, Donnie Toner and his guys are going to have every device known to man to keep these guys warm. And it, I, just glancing at the forecast, I think it's going to be cold, but not necessarily heroically cold. Just regular garden variety cold. Which I mean, there's no fun in that. Like if you can't set a record, what's the point of being cold? Well, I mean, I used to. You talk about that list of top ten games. I used to giggle with David Monroe. Uh, there was a time in this franchise's history where one of the ten coldest games was 40 degrees at kickoff. <laughs> Years ago, working for the Tar Heel Sports Network, North Carolina had a night game at Keenan Stadium. And I had this, and it was going to be a cold night, and I don't like cold weather, and I can't stay warm, and I'm ectomorphic and not a lot of body fat and just don't like cold. So I got So I had this heating pad that my parents got for a wedding present, and this heating pad got hot. I plug that thing in about an hour before kickoff, and I see this little lightning bolt and this puff of smoke. It arced <laughs> against this aluminum power strip in the press box at Keenan Stadium. And then I hear this. While I saw that, I hear this. <laughs> and the yep. whole bank of lights on the other side of Keenan Stadium went out. <laughs> and I created a brownout over half of Chapel Hill <laughs> oh my by plugging this heating pad in. Never told anybody. I'm telling this now for the first time. Oh, publicly, my gosh. Wow. I almost had to delay kickoff. Trying to get the power back on because you, so, you so, blew the breaker on Chapel Hill that night. So you're saying that the Super Bowl with the Niners and the Ravens was really because someone got a little chilly up in the press box in the Superdome and plugged Ooh. in a heating pad and, decided and knocked to plug out the lights. A 1958 heating pad. Oh my oh. God. Could have happened. I wish it I had happened. a story that good because I was in that press box when that, that place went dark and. That was concerning because Superdome being what it is, you can't see out. You don't know what's happening outside. You don't know what caused it. All I know is there were a bunch of people in a press box who no longer had electricity or the Internet. Yeah. Because when the Wi-Fi went out, we were all literally in the dark. So we're trying to uh, – everybody's trying to text home and see what's going on. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully Mick is able to stay warm and we don't short out the – we don't short out the lovely people of Brown County, Wisconsin. And uh, congratulations, you used literally correctly, unlike the <laughs> numbskulls anyone of Will's generation. Life. Yeah. What What did I do? I just woke up this morning. Well, your generation has crushed the English language in a variety of ways. I don't even think it's my generation. Well, the young. Okay, I was there the young generation under you. I thank guess. you. There you go. Where they say I'm engaged now. Kids these days, literally like driving by the seat of my pants and stuff. And I mean, because it was literally like raining cats and dogs. 
You never know. There could have been some some Small dogs coming from that tree. Could have you, been falling from you, the sky. Yeah, yes. you got to be careful on days like that. You could yeah. step in a poodle. So finally, Mick, we used to do this thing called like the crazy question of the week. I, I sorry, <laughs> Darren. I'm sorry. Just no. Reaction. I wasn't ready I for it. I had a, I had a whole like segue ready. Ready. And I'm trying to do my best here. I'm no Kristen. <laughs> trying and to you maintain just, you some just professional do that. credibility. And now I'm I'm the guy that just. Oh, I stomped all over it. Yes, that was funny. Thank was. you very much. It was. It I'll was, be here all week. It was good. I, I can't even do it now. Last night, Charlotte FC, the MLS team, ready to kick here in February and in our, our fine uptown Charlotte Bank of America Stadium, they had an expansion draft to help build out their roster. Unlike the Panthers in 1995, they were only drafting themselves, so they didn't have anyone to really draft against. But I wanted to kick it back to you guys for any – Darren has some memories of – covering oh, yes. that very first draft. It it was uh it was quite a day. I mean the Jaguars and the Panthers kind of going back and forth at each other and there were different philosophies uh at play. Bill Polian wanted to build this thing from the bottom up and and he used a lot of those picks on special teams guys and people who were going to fill in roles. The Jaguars wanted some names and they go out they had the first pick, they take Steve Burline. You know, and find them a quarterback with their first pick and that's how they were going to do business. Well, I think Bill had in mind that the draft was going to be where he found his and build with a young quarterback that way. Uh, so he started filling in around the edges of the roster. Rod Smith, cornerback from Notre Dame, and uh, longtime Charlatan. I don't know if Rod's still in town or not, but uh, used to do some radio with him. Great guy. Um, and, and a pretty good cornerback for a while uh, was the first pick. But there were all kinds of guys through that process who became – you know, not necessarily household names, but staples of the Panthers. Mark Carrier was a, an expansion draft pick. Howard Griffith, Bob Christian, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of fullbacks who were key parts on some of those early teams. You know, all the way down to Paul Butcher, who's like the Frankie Louvu of his day. He was a special teams guy, linebacker, running around with his hair on fire all the time. But it His didn't. Hair was literally like on fire. Literally like on fire. I have this. Stuff. I have this in front of me right now, and you're doing a fantastic job. Yeah. All I know is the Panthers had 11 draft picks this past year in April. Right? Yes. And that felt overwhelming yeah. to me. Trying to update all of it, I was just I was dead by the end of the weekend. There were 35 they, picks. Yeah, 35 picks. I, it, I can't imagine that. And there got to a point in the draft where. If you look at the list, you'll see them going back and forth, back and forth, Jacksonville, Carolina. It got to the point where the Jags were like, yeah, we're good. We, we don't need anybody else. And the Panthers and they just took kept another four or five dudes. And one of those last four picks was a gentleman named Bill Goldberg, mm-hmm. who stopped going by Bill, shaved his head, and started wrestling for a living and turned out to be all right at it. How did it work back then? Didn't other teams have to open their rosters? Yeah, basically uh, other teams – left an unprotected list of five or eight guys that you had to pick from. And the list never got completely necessarily out there, but every team had to make so many guys. And, and most teams tried to get rid of bad contracts or, you mm-hmm. know, stuff. You know, one of the one of the guys, uh, the Jags took Desmond Howard. Hmm. You know, the old Heisman winner yeah. who never really turned out to be much of an NFL player and bounced around and got paid and – Never really did all that much, but, you know, and they, you know, people wanted you to take their bad contracts or old dudes on the fringes of their roster, and and Polian largely avoided that and took a bunch of guys 
you know, again, like Carrier and Griffin and Christian and Tim McKire. Tim McKire. T Mac. Um wasn't gonna be a backup to a bunch of backups. Yeah. And um Oh, I'm trying to think who uh, Mark Rodenhauser, I believe, the mm-hmm. original long snapper, was an expansion draft pick. How, how about this? The uh, former Super Bowl winning coach of the Eagles, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. That's right. Pretty amazing that the Panthers had success so quickly to turn all that around into mm-hmm. that yeah. season in '96. Yeah, I mean, and and that was, you know, like I said, Bill wanted to use the expansion draft to kind of fill in the the blanks on a roster because. Early on, he was going to draft his quarterback and got one in Kerry Collins with the fifth overall pick after trading down. And, you know, really comes in in 96 in free agency and brings in so many guys. I mean, he already had a base with Sam Mills and Lamar Lathan, and then you add a Kevin Green to the mix. You add Eric Davis at cornerback to the mix and, and really filled that team in in free agency and made it something, you know, something pretty special, caught a bunch of people off guard. And and that was a team that started a little slow and caught hot at the end of the year and just went and got on a roll. And it was very, it was very back to basics football. They weren't, Kerry wasn't slinging it all over the yard. I remember there were stats from that time that if Kerry threw for 300 yards, it was a bad thing, not a good thing. But if he could manage the game, run a good bit, throw for 225 yards and not turn it over, they had a pretty good chance of winning because they were playing some hard defense back in those days. Was Dom Capers a good head coach? Yeah, he was. I I think, you know, Dom, like a lot of guys, when he got more on his plate than he could handle and and he ended up being GM, that's where some mistakes were made. But Dom as a coach was the kind of guy – Dom was very detail-oriented, very – uh, precise. I mean, he could lay out notebooks and show you what his plan, I mean, in September, he could tell you what the practice schedule was going to be in December. And and he knew in his mind exactly what it was going to look like. And, and and I think he was a good, he was a strategist. I mean, he was an old um, zone blitz guy, Dick LeBeau dis- disciple uh, from Pittsburgh, played that defense and, and knew how to pressure guys from a lot of different angles. Dom's a Dom's a good coach. Dom was a good man. Uh, Dom got undone when he got asked to be GM, too, and things got away from him a little bit. Well, this week, I now have in my possession one of the most prized T-shirts that I've ever owned. Mick, do you have a friend of the mailbag shirt? No. Do you have any in uh, athletic cut? Extra well, large? Well, they they're we may be out of XLs, honestly, because we have sent these out to the friends of the mailbag. We did hit get some custom T-shirts made. Uh, Are they our, cotton? With Let's start little, there. Yeah, yes. yeah, of course. Hundred percent cotton. Yeah. Okay, I'm in. Right, we, right, Darren. We can make this happen. Yeah, we can make this happen. So, I've got a secret vault near my office where uh, these things are safely stored because, you know the. The thieves in this office. Will Don't try look to... at me. Don't look at me. Well, maybe at some point we'll have to have some friends of the podcast too. But maybe. We'll, uh, they, I, th- I think they're largely some of the same people. Since I'm retiring and heading to my golden years in four more games, I would not be too proud to have one of these shirts and have both you two Joders sign it for me. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I, I I really hope that. I would love if you wore a Friends of the Mailbag shirt for the final I game. I want a happy half hour, Yes, and we'll get uh, 
Kristen Bob will get Jack Harrell to do a, yep. a footprint or a handprint on it. Get That'd Kristen be fantastic. To sign it, and you two guys, too. That'd be great. Well, before we get there, we've got to go to Buffalo first. So everyone will be watching Sunday, 1 o'clock. And listening. Listening on Panthers.com. What is the matter with you? Panthers.com. Listen. Listen to the – That's where it is, front page. Just put to it right see, there. Just to see if Mick causes another blackout. <laughs> Could happen. On that note, on that note, thanks for listening to the Happy Half Hour. We'll see you next week. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.